0: Uh, if you got your Bible, let's go. Luke 17, it says, verse 11 says, Now it happened when he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria or some area, Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went. Notice that. It was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving them thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10? Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wasn't he healed already? Yeah, he was healed. But Jesus said, Your faith has made you well. In fact, that word well comes from the Greek word sozo, which means to be saved or to be be made whole. Here's the deal. You can experience a miracle from God and still not be whole be made whole. You can be healed and not well, whole in your spirit. And I really believe God wants to bring people to a place where they don't just experience a miracle in their life, but they're made whole by, by, by His power. Here's, here's some thoughts, three thoughts from the story. Number one is gratitude produces worship. Gratitude produces worship. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, one return with a loud voice, And glorified God and fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. How did he express his gratitude? He expressed it with a loud voice. Some people go, why is church so loud? Because we're grateful for what God has done. And he fell down at his feet. Was it appropriate? Yes, it was. He had been healed of leprosy. Was it scripturally appropriate? Heck yes, because when I look through the Bible, I see this word praise all the time, right throughout the Psalms. And in fact, this word praise is translated, uh, uh, translated as praise in the English, but it comes from 11 different Hebrew words. And seven of these are more dominant than the others. And I quickly want to go through these seven Hebrew words that are used for praise in the Bible. Because some of us just limit praise to, to one element. Yeah, I praise God. But uh, there's many ways that we can praise God. So here we go. The first word is todah. Somebody say Toda, Todah, Toda, which means a thanksgiving choir. That's what we are tonight. We are a thanksgiving choir. It's less about what happens on stage in church. And it's more about what happens in the seats. When we give God praise, we are a thanksgiving choir. The second word that's used is barak. Someone say barak, which means to kneel in thanksgiving, to kneel in thanksgiving. The third word is To healer, not tequila, and just in case some of you are thinking that, it's to healer, which means to sing a song of thanksgiving. To sing a song of thanksgiving. The fourth word is halal. Somebody say halal. halal. It means to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Wow, I wonder whether we've ever done that. To give thanks, just to let go. I love the fact that our worship leaders, Josh, they just let go. Halal is where we get the word hallelujah. It actually means to give God some crazy praise hallelujah brother you know that's not clamorously at all it's like you know it's it's to let go to express some of us are so limited in our expression but here's the deal love unexpressed is not love imagine if i said to kathy i love you you know i said it when we got married and i haven't seen it said it since in 25 years you know she's off one i love you you know how many know she's not feeling the love yeah, there's no, but, but, it, but it's to express on a continuous basis. Uh, the fifth word is yara. Somebody say yara. yara. Yara, which means to give thanks with extended hands. We just said, uh, lift your hands tonight. No, I don't want to. Hey, you know, if you lifted your hands, it's, it's, what are you? You are yara. You're lifting your hands and giving thanks with extended hands. Zama is the next word. Zama is to give thanks with musical instruments. Aren't you glad we've got some great musicians in church? Yeah, I remember the day where there was just an organ. In fact, it used to be that the pastor's wife would have to play the organ. That was a thing that was done. My mother once played the organ. I can't, I can't imagine Kathy ever playing the organ. You know, I don't know. Yeah, she did learn piano when she was a kid. But uh, playing the organ, that's an, another level. But Zama is to give God thanks with musical instruments. Next one is shabak. Somebody say shabak. Which means to give thanks with a loud tone. To give thanks with a loud tone. Come on, I wonder whether we could practice some Shabbat right now. Whether we could give God thanks with a loud tone. Come on, let's give him some praise. eh? So, so that's what praises, we see it one, uh, you know, praise, but we see it from one dimension. And do you know there's one verse in the Bible that contains four of these Hebrew words? Four of these Hebrew words in one verse. It's Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving is Tura. It means to come into his courts with praise, which is healer, be thankful, yada, and bless Barak, his name. So another way of saying that is, and it's going to come up on paraphrase up there, it's enter His gates with a thanksgiving choir, enter His courts singing praises, be thankful by extending your hands to Him, and bless Him by bowing before His name. How awesome is that? You know, that's how we're to enter God's presence. Now I like the fact that we enter with something. Here's the thought, what you don't enter with, you have to borrow from somebody else. And as Equippers Church, we say, come on, let's all come with something. Let's come with praise. Come on, how many love God in this place? Yeah, uh, the question is, how are you expressing that? Uh, what we're trying to do is get everybody expressing their love. The main reason that people don't actually express their love is they've grown up in a dysfunctional family. When nobody said, I love you, when nobody actually thanked it's just you know, grunts and uh, people telling others what to do, but aren't you glad when you became a Christian you got born into a family that's not dysfunctional? And one thing we should be good at is our expression of worship and our expression of praise. And when you give it to God, it then helps you with other people. It helps you express that that to other people. It helps you in your marriage be more expressive. And and here's here's a deal is. Is praise, if, we don't, if it doesn't come out of us and, and orientate itself towards God, it, it will focus its area in, a, in another way. And what you've got to understand is gratitude, here's the first thought, gratitude produces worship, but the question is, then what produces gratitude? Second thought, if gratitude produces worship, miracles produce gratitude. Let's go to verse 15 again, it says, "And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, miracle. He was healed. That was a miracle. He returned with a loud voice and glorified God. Miracles produce gratitude. What was he healed of? Leprosy. You know, this initially was thought of a, a disease where the flesh just rots away, but in the 1950s, they actually discovered that leprosy kills or deadens your nerve endings. So, somebody could hit you and you wouldn't feel it. You know, all your nerve endings are dead. In fact, in in time gone by, people would go to sleep, they'd have leprosy, and rats would begin to eat away at their flesh and they wouldn't even know it. It's a slow eating away. People would hurt themselves. They'd be hurt, they'd have a flesh wound, but they wouldn't even feel it. Could it be that's what's happening to a lot of people in society today? Their lives are being eaten away at, but they don't even know it because their spirits are dead. Now, when it comes to leprosy, in Jesus' day, there was no cure. Uh, there was no cure. It was contagious, and, and that meant because it was contagious, you couldn't hold down a job. If you're married, you'd have to leave your wife and kids and live on the outer of society. You couldn't go and meet with your family, you couldn't celebrate events. You couldn't hold them. Your life in one way was lost. In fact, you are outcast. If anybody clean came towards you, you'd have to shout out unclean, unclean, unclean. So because if they came close, you know, it would make them unclean. And here, 10, 10 were healed from leprosy, but only one return, Thanksgiving. Can you imagine being healed of something like that? Having this disease, and then one day, Jesus coming by, and in a moment, being healed. See, some of us don't realize that there's a spiritual leprosy in this world. In fact, sin eats away at your flesh all the time. It's eating away at your life, and it wants to destroy your life. But Jesus has answers to that. And sometimes, you know, we take that for granted. Sometimes we, being, being a Christian for a while now, we can withdraw our praise, we can withdraw our worship, and so we can get even a little bit self-conscious. It's like, oh man, you know. Who's that over there? You know, if I lift my hands, it's like people start here and then sometimes they graduate and it's like they get to a place where they can lift their hands fully to God. It's like there's different stances in worship that people go through. And, and it's, it, there should be a freedom in worship. You know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, I've heard people go, well, I didn't enjoy the worship today. I didn't really enjoy the worship today. I heard one good reply to that once where the person came to me and said, oh, the worship wasn't that good today. And the other person said, "Well, it wasn't for you." <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to our worship, you know, Jesus meant so much that a woman took a costly jar of perfume, broke it over Jesus. That that perfume was worth more than a year's wages. You know, some people looked at it and criticised it. That money should, could have been given to the poor, but. What they didn't realize, as Jesus would later say, that she was actually anointing him for his burial. And it was an act of worship. I really believe God is looking for worshipers right now. People will give their whole heart to him. Not people who just can sing a song. I can't sing, but I sing. That's worship. People who can sing, because they can sing, sometimes they're just singing to show off. Scott said he's guilty of that. How many would like to hear Scott sing a little later on? But when God does something so significant in your life, you've got to understand it's salvation. He's taken us from death to life. Without Jesus, we're stuffed. Jesus, through the message of Jesus Christ, we have hope, not just here and now, but for eternity. And this is the greatest message on the face of the planet. That's why we're passionate about it. And I love one great compliment we had. Somebody came to our church. She'd been a Christian for a while, and she goes, "Man, I really love the feel and the spirit of this church because you actually believe in the words that you sing." It's amazing how many people go, yeah shout to God and shout to God. You know, it's like it's like they're stoic and they're different things, and they're not even putting emotion between the word behind the words of the song. And it's like, let, let's not just do religion like the words of that new song said. Come on, let's give God our whole hearts. You know, I love the fact that our response gives permission to others. Charles Finney, a great revivalist in, in America in the 1830s, he was preaching the gospel and he'd often give people an opportunity to respond. And he'll bring them forward. We'd normally do that, but we can't do that. In this theater, it's a little bit awkward, a little bit hard. But he'll get people to to respond to the gospel. And often lawyers from around New York would come and listen to him. And one night, the chief justice of New York came and was listening to Charles Finney. And he was convinced of the truth. He was convinced, but he said, I'm not going to respond because if I respond, you know, what are people going to think? You know, i I've got some level of social status. I'm, I'm the chief justice here. And all these other, there's plenty of other lawyers in the crowd. They, they'll know it's me. But then he thought to himself, no, I know this is real. I'm convinced about this. I've got to respond. And so he went to the side of the stage and he tagged on Charles Finney's jacket and he says, hey, if you give a response, I'll, I'll come down. I'll respond. And so Charles Finney did that. Anybody want to respond to Jesus? Come to the front. The chief justice gets out of his seat, comes to the front. Do you know that night, that night, over 100 other lawyers responded? Because one person's response, one person's liberty gave freedom to a whole lot of others. Do you know within a 12-month period, more than 100,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus in the- a revival. I wonder what we're stopping simply because we're not free in our response. Come on, one person's choice can affect numerous other lives. And we've just got to see our liberty enables other people to be liberated as well. Do I get an amen on that? Come on, I need a little bit more of a response in this place. Okay. Here's the thing. Gratitude produces worship. Miracles produce gratitude. But what produces miracles? What produces miracles? Number three, last thought, is obedience produces miracles. Obedience produces miracles. So when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, again, this verse, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, you went to show yourself to the priest to verify that the healing had taken place. Jesus said, go to the priest. They weren't even healed. But the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. As they went. So many of us right now are waiting for God to do something before we express our praise and worship. And God says, no, if you'll just be obedient, on the way, you watch what I'll do. God said to Moses, lift up your stick. Uh, The Red Sea was in front of him. The Egyptian army was behind him. You know, It's almost like, God, have you got a better battle plan? But God said to Moses, lift up your stick. As he lifted up his stick, the Red Sea parted. It wasn't the Red Sea parted and then he lifted up his stick. When it came to the crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the Jordan was in flood, but the command of God was for the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and to step into the Jordan. It wasn't like the Jordan parted and then they stepped in. No, they stepped in, and then the Jordan parted. See, this is right throughout Scripture. Many people are going, well, God, you show me, and I'll go. And God says, no, you go, and I'll show. In fact, he works off the premise, no go, no show. And it's often this way. As they went, as they went, as they went, they were healed. As they went in obedience. And I believe if we just follow what God is saying to us, God will open a, a door. God will make a way where there's no way. God speaks when we obey. And when we obey, there's a miracle. It goes like this. Obedience, miracle, gratitude, worship. You get the progression? It goes, obedience. I don't understand. You don't need to understand. Obedience, miracle, gratitude, worship. Now, with any verse in Scripture, it's important to put context around that. And there's a story of the 10 lepers. We know that story, but we've got to understand the the passages around that. And because this this is all has meaning to it. And so if we go to verse one of chapter 17, we're going to go there quickly. It says, Then he said to the disciples, It's impossible that no offenses shall come. (laughs) Ain't that true? We live in a very sensitive world right now. A very sensitive world. A very, very, very sensitive world. And it's impossible. Jesus is saying, it's impossible that no offenses shall come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Then he should offend one of these little ones. You don't want to cause a little one to stumble. That's what, that's what he's saying there. Take heed yourself, listen to this, if your brother sins against you. Rebuke him if he repents, forgive him. So if he sins against him, rebuke him, address it, address it, and then if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, that's a lot, by the way. You know, if somebody sins against you once, that can be that can keep you up at night. But seven times in a day. And then seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. What shall you do? What does it say there? It says, You shall. Come on, what shall you do? You shall. forgive him. And the apostles, they'll listen to this and they reply, verse five God, increase our faith. Increase our faith. How the heck are we meant to do that? See, the first two verses addresses with the Fendor. The the next couple of verses addresses the offended. We're all going to get offended at some point in time. And Jesus says, you're going to get offended. Question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk in bitterness? Are you going to walk in hurt? Or are you going to forgive? The disciples thought up to that point, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. But Jesus says this. He ups it another level and goes, what if somebody seven times in one day sins against you, seven times in one day. You know, first time, goes out, sins against you, comes back, sorry, sorry, okay, i forgive you. You know, then again, does something annoying, and comes back, oh, sorry, sorry, i forgive you. You get in the picture, goes out, does something else again. That's only three times, and comes back and says, sorry, how many know you're wanting to punch that dude in the head? It's going, what's up with you? No, but it, that's three times. It goes out again, sins against you. Comes back, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Forgive me, forgive me. Seven times in one day. Come on, I don't know if you get the scale of this. Seven days, what are you to do? Not punching them in the head. That's what we want to do in our flesh. <laughs> Somebody, I'm glad they're honest in this place. It's not, Jesus says you are to forgive him. And that's where the disciples said, we're going to need more faith to do that. How many are with the disciples on that? Man, I need some faith to do that. But listen to what Jesus says in the next verses. He says, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the seed and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he's coming from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say, prepare something for my supper and and gird yourself and serve me until I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did these things that were commanded him? I think not. So, likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, commanded, again, commanded, get that word, say, We are unprofitable servants, for we have done what is our duty to do. In the same way, when you obey, verse 10, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, We are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now, combine this with the person who sins against you seven times and comes back and asks for forgiveness. Disciples say, we need more faith to do that. And what's Jesus saying? Jesus saying, you don't need more faith. You just need to obey. Because forgiving is not a suggestion. It's a command. And he said, if you just had a little faith, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up and it will listen to you, it will obey you. You don't need faith to forgive, you just need to obey. And some of us wrestle with this. Now, a lot of people understand, yeah, Jesus is my friend, but Jesus is not just my friend. Jesus is my master. He's my Lord. And you don't need faith to forgive, you need obedience. And then it says, then 10 leopards cried out, And said, "Have mercy on us." I'm thinking Jesus right there, thinking, "Let me show you something. Let let me show you something that happens when you obey." I'm going to show it. I'm going to give you a, a visual demonstration of what happens when you obey. Hey, go to the priest. They could have argued with Jesus right there. But we're not healed yet. If we get to the priest and we're not healed, we're in danger. We're in danger. That's needed for verification, but I've got no proof right now that I'm healed. But Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. And they left. And the Bible says, as they went, they left in obedience, and as they went, they were healed. And Jesus is just saying, if you obey, miracles will take place. If you just obey, if you just do it, Sometimes we don't express worship simply because we're not grateful. We're not grateful for what He has done. In fact, a lot of us can be in a place where, man, I'm just so mad right now. I'm mad over all the things that God hasn't yet come through on. That we forget what He has done. The fact that you have salvation is a miracle. And I believe if we simply keep on obeying God, some of those unanswered prayers that we have, some of those desires that we know God's put in our heart, they're from him, but they seem far off. You know, those things would come to pass, but it comes from obedience. Come on, if you're saved here, you've got the miracle of being healed in the first place. Sozo, well, saved. And it's so important in our life, where we're standing today is we don't forget what got us here. You know, I want to say, Equipus Church is a miracle in motion. This is a miracle. Who would have thought from New Zealand would be able to impact countries like Brazil? Yeah, Hungary. We've got a church in Budapest. Budapest, a lot of people didn't even know Budapest was in Hungary it's amazing being able to impact, you know, places like I've never been to Budapest, but we've got now a church in Budapest. You know, we've got a church in Mexico that's happened in the last twelve months. That's a miracle in motion. What God's doing in the UK, in Germany, in Germany, in India, in in all these places, it's a miracle. Man, I am thankful to God for the miracle of what is Equippus Church. One location from New Zealand. You know, a small country. You know, at the bottom of the earth. Who would have thought that from New Zealand we could impact those other nations? It's a big thing. I went to Brazil, and I was speaking at a church, and there was a map of the world on the back wall. And they were saying, oh, where are you from? Are you from Australia? I go, heck no. I don't want to be from that place. That place is a place to go on mission. And uh, They need to get saved. But, you know, uh, are you from Australia? Most people think that. And uh, I'm from New Zealand. Oh, where's that? And uh, I went to show on the the wall at the back, you know, a map of the world. New Zealand wasn't even on the map. Wasn't even on the map. They counted us out. But God hasn't counted us out. Yeah, I love the fact, in fact, uh, we took a missions team to India one time. And uh, one was traveling on a Samoan passport. And uh, he went through customs, and, uh, and uh, they go, oh, where's Samoa? Where's Samoa? And he pulled out a map. They pulled out, show us where Samoa is. But Samoa wasn't even on the map, and they weren't going to let him into India. <laughs> in fact, they will say, no, you can't come in. We believe you're making it up. And then, <laughs> and then somebody had to say, has anybody heard of Samoa? And somebody go, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of Samoa. And they had to look, at Navishi he was let in, so that he could go on mission to India. But you know, I love the fact that this is a miracle on mission. God uses the most unlikely of people, and right now you feel unlikely. You know, me? God want to do a miracle in and through my life, but God says, "Yes, you. You know, I've chosen you. I've anointed you. You know, it's you." But some of us are going, "Here I am. God send him, send her. I don't feel capable." And God's saying, you, I pick you. Yes, you. And no, you haven't stolen a cookie from the cookie jar. You know, you know that old one? Who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? <laughs> you know, I don't know. You, you, yeah, anyway, we won't go into it. It's an old one. Some of you are not that old, but my sister will sing it for you later on. You stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Who? Me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. You know and we're going we're going, couldn't be me, couldn't be me. And and and, and when we are not and when we don't I did, I did. There was the tune. I don't know if you picked it up. <laughs> but but it was like, couldn't be, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. And I really believe when we don't step up to the plate, then God goes, then who? Then who? If not you, who? And you know, there's there's whole generations overlooked in the Bible, never got a mention. They lived, they existed, but never got a mention. Just looked over. Simply because there was no people who were prepared to respond in faith. For 400 years, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. People lived during that time. It wasn't even worth God thought not even worth recording. When we don't step up, you know, we miss out on the opportunity. And I really believe God is saying, come on, now is your time to step up. Now is the time to give expression to your faith. Oh, well, my thing's between God and me. It's just between God and me. No, it starts on the inside. Here's the deal. You can have stuff going on on the outside and have nothing happening on the inside. That's what you call a hypocrite. You know, I'm an actor. I'm putting on this thing on the outside, but nothing else is happening on the inside. But here's the deal. You can't have something happening on the inside and it not be expressed on the outside. You can't. It's impossible. If it's going on on the inside, there will always come an expression on the outside. We didn't get saved by just believing in our heart. It was with the confession of our mouth that we got saved. Some of you go, well, I don't want to open my mouth. Well, you don't know the nature of faith because the nature of faith is a believing heart and a faith-filled mouth. Those two things go together. In fact, what comes out of your mouth is out of the abundance of what's in your heart. That's what Jesus taught. And so he's saying, if it's going on on the inside, it's going to have expression on the outside. Yeah, you can give expression on the outside and have nothing happening on the inside. But you can't have it going, something happening on the inside and, not, and it not be expressed on the outside. Come on, as a church, we want to give expression to the mission, to the dream that God's put in our heart. And I believe God is looking for people to say, this is my day, I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna reach out, and I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna obey. I don't understand, but as I obey, as I get on the journey, I believe God's gonna release miracles in my life. and He's gonna do what nobody else could do.